Welcome to the Wake Park Church Sermon Podcast, a ministry of Wake Park Church in Northeast Minneapolis. We do everything we do because we believe life with Jesus is better. If you like what you hear, we'd love to have you swing by and join us for worship. We meet on Sundays at 10 a.m. and have other groups and ministries on various days of the week. You can learn more by going to wakeparkchurch.org. So our story this morning is in Luke 14, 12 through 24, and so it's the great banquet. Um, the story in this passage, it's, it's about a banquet, and it, it got me thinking about what makes or breaks a great party. The music adds atmosphere. If you've ever been to a party where the music just starts, you, you must groove to the music. Well, I have, and it brightens, it brightens my mood, and it makes a, a positive energy in the room. But what about food? Have you ever been to a party where the, the gathering at the, around the freshman table is, is, is just, just for easy access to, to their treats or even keep continuing to grab a, an appetizer just because you're trying to figure out the flavors and the ingredients in it? Well, when I was in, working in IT, I would plan the fun events for our team. And so I'd try to find unique and interesting things for us to do together. So I convinced everyone to try top golf, whirly ball, and curling. So whirly ball is a cross between bumper cars, lacrosse, and basketball, and it's, it's a blast. It's a, a really great time. Um, and so we would have lots of laughs and a great time together. But ultimately, what makes a great party is the people. The, we have several couples planning weddings this summer, and so the guest list is one of the most important details for the planning. It's an honor to be invited as a witness to this crucial moment in their lives. The couples want the people closest to them to, the, to attend. But if Jesus were here joining the next party we planned, what would he have to say about the people that we would want to invite? Our story today is Jesus sharing the parable of the great banquet. So in verse 12, let's start with the context of this parable. So Jesus is joining a dinner party at the Pharisee's house on the Sabbath. And it's safe to assume that the others at the table are part of that Jewish community. So when we look at verse 12, it says, Jesus said to the host, When you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back so that you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, and the lame, the blind, and then you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous." So Jesus suggested that to the Pharisee, not inviting most likely the people sitting around the table with them, your friends, your brothers, your relatives, and your rich neighbors. If I was planning a dinner with an honored guest in town, I would definitely make a list of my friends and family. For example, the band Ren Collective was in town last weekend, one of my favorites. And if I could use all of the, the skills I've learned from being persuasive encouraging people to serve at church. Maybe we could convince them to come and do an impromptu concert in the commons. But the first people I would want to ask our friends, you guys, our family, people who live around here that enjoy Ren Collective, all of the people that Jesus told the Pharisees not to invite. Jesus challenges this, this cultural norm and maybe just human norm by inviting the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, in essence challenging the divide between friendship and charity. Most of us are will, more willing to feed people in need than to help and help them out as an act of charity, 
but then to but to invite them as the other into our normal day lives into our special occasion well that's our time but Jesus is calling us to more he's calling us to value people through friendship the essence of the biblical biblical hospitality is to make room for people who are left out in this cultural context the invitations are used to promote status and enhance their own reputation Jesus' challenge to invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind would be ridiculous in this culture. How uncomfortable would you feel if Jesus just told you to invite the other to your wedding rather than your well-respected friends? A disability in this culture was often seen as a curse from God. So if a person was cursed, this, could be, this was punishment for the sin or the sin of their family. They could have considered not inviting them as upholding God's justice. But God wants us to see and accept those who could never repay us, to reward the, for the deeds that we will be repaid for eternal, in eternal life. Do you still feel that discomfort from Jesus' challenge? The silence is broken from one of the guests interjecting in verse 15. It says, when those at the table heard him heard this, he said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast of the kingdom of God. The guest is trying to bring harmony and back and discomfort into the room. He pronounces a blessing at, over all who are eating at the feast of the kingdom of God, which includes all the Jewish people. The Jews were the chosen people. They were set apart. They would be blessed in the kingdom of God, enjoying the feast and the celebration to come. Jesus clarified the blessing would be to the people who invited the poor, the blind, and the lame. The guests, the guests are encircling, the guest is encircling the guests at the party to remind them of this common understanding that the, the Jews are invited to the feast. The Jews are the blessed and the welcome guests to the feast. So Jesus responds to his comment with the parable, and it starts in verse 16. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, now everything is ready. So dream with me for a moment of the most exquisite party. Fancy lighting to create an intimate mood, music that gets you grooving, the fanciest of foods. The anticipation in the room is thick. The party is just waiting for the people. This is where our parable starts. The servant is sent out to gather the guests to join the festivities. In this culture, they would have two invitations for the gathering. The initial invitation requesting RSVP without the specifics of timing. The host would learn how to prepare for the guests coming and would be able to seek guests according to their status. And the people were diligent in the invitations to the feast of this caliber. The guests reflected their own social status in the community, and they embraced the idea, you are who you eat with. So, the host, so if the host was someone of high standing, it was an honor to be invited. And accepting the invitation meant you wanted to de develop or continue a long-term relationship. So Jesus uses the parables to explain the kingdom of God. So the first illustration is the kingdom of God is like an exquisite banquet. The banquet imagery in scripture often sheds light to the celebration after Jesus returns when all things are restored to the proper order. The banquet represents the idea of shalom and complete peace. 
and wholeness. In Isaiah 25, 6 through 9, it illustrates the people trusting in God are gathered to celebrate salvation. It says this, on the, amount, on the mountain of the Lord, will prepare, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich foods for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats, and the finest of wines. On this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away all tears from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. The Lord has spoken, and in that day, they will say, Surely this is our God. We trusted in him, and he saved us. This is the Lord. We trusted in him. Let us rejoice and be glad in salvation. One day, those who trusted in God will enjoy the finest of foods with a beautiful diversity of people. We will no longer face death, no more tears or shame. I just picture people around a huge table sharing the stories of the incredible things God has done in their lives. Our response is worship to God in awe for who God is and what he has done. God has restored our relationship with the holy and just God to bring unity and wholeness to our people. In Ephesians 7, 1, 7 to 10, it contains a brief but packed list of some of the benefits we received through Jesus. It says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. So the banquet invitation is for all of us to be united with all creation, to be redeemed and restored. So back to our parable. The host expected all of the guests to attend, but something unexpected and embarrassing happened. So let's look at verse 18 through 20. It says, but all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have bought a field and I must go see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I got married, so I can't come. The host made plans specifically for that guest list to prepare food for all of them. But when they started to make excuses, it was a slap in the face. It would have been one thing to have declined the invitation at the beginning, but to say that they were going to be there and then back out was especially insulting. They were like, it was like they were keeping their options open, but when something better came along, they backed out. And the host was getting publicly demoted. So what's so important that they backed out? So let's look through the, walk through the excuses. So the first excuse, I have bought a field. Being able to buy a field demonstrated wealth, and it was likely that the person would have carefully examined the field prior to the purchase. The second excuse, I have bought five pairs of oxen. Buying that many oxen would have required a farm of 100 acres, so the person would have been considered very wealthy and would have likely had servants to help manage the farm. But the third excuse, I have a wife, was within Old Testament law, marriage was an acceptable reason to get out of obligations like a military battle. 
And these, this excuse aligns with their tradition. But looking at these reasons, each of these people have taken for granted the invitation from God for, this, for his celebration. All of them were too busy gaining wealth, managing possessions, or attending to their family. All of these day-to-day activities that are forms of status symbols in our culture, in their culture, and in ours. Once again, Luke is using this story from Jesus to remind us to evaluate what we treasure so that we don't miss out on the most important treasure from him. In verses 21 through 24, it says, The servant came back and reported to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered the servant, ordered the servant, Go out quickly to the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told the servant, go out to the roads and to the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who are invited will get a taste of my banquet. The servant returns to the host with the news of all the rejections. The parables are often directly speaking to a conversation, or the audience right in front of him. So we cannot fully understand the purpose of the parable without the original context and what it explains about the kingdom of God. So the rejection of these guests represents Israel rejecting Jesus. In their searching the scriptures, the Messiah was going to come and overthrow the Romans to create a new Jerusalem and a new government for the Jews to rule and thrive. But when, but when Jesus, the Messiah, came, he taught them from the scriptures, and he healed and restored people's infirmities. He brought forgiveness and ultimately salvation through overcoming death and the resurrection on the cross. And these glimpses of shalom were just a shadow of the celebration to come. Israel's rejection created space for the Gentiles, people who did not have Jewish heritage. More importantly, the Gentiles did not have Israel's God. But all of this reveals God's heart for people to join in the party of all parties. The Gentiles were marginalized people. They would have been lumped into the category of the other. So the second thing we learn about the kingdom of God is God is like the host. He welcomes all people into his kingdom. The poor, the lame, the blind, they're invited to join in the celebration of the riches of the kingdom of God. Jesus came as the host to extend the invitation to the Gentiles and the marginalized. Jesus' last words recorded in in Acts 1.8, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So the host, like Jesus, is sending his servant out to the ends of the earth to gather people and compel them to attend his banquet, celebrating salvation and restoration to the kingdom. Do you hear the urgency in his voice? Do you sense the longing he has to bring everyone into the kingdom? Anyone who receives the Holy Spirit are witnesses like the servants in this parable. We go out demonstrating God's heart as hosts, bringing in the people to this incredible banquet feast, extending the activity invitation of sharing the gospel to the ends of the earth. Jesus sent his disciples empowered with the Holy Spirit and with his message of the greatest gift to us, his presence. 
So our response is refusing to take for granted the invitation of his salvation through Jesus. So each reluctant guest was more interested in investing and gaining their own status than fulfilling their commitment to their friend. They were all too busy gaining wealth, managing possessions, and attending to their family. They took for granted the invitation to this incredible celebration. Which of these status symbols of wealth, possessions, and family prevent you from fully trusting God? What's fascinating about this parable is how the host responds in his anger to the rejection. He directs the servants to go back out and recruit more people to come. He doesn't retaliate or vent about the impact of the rejections. He doesn't make a plan to preserve his status. He recalibrates to what's most important, people joining the celebration. It's not for him, it's about them. In the last verse, the host might might come across as angry, but there will be a time when the invitation is open to everyone expires. The final celebration will be for those who trust in Jesus. In our passage, the goal was not just to bring anyone in. The host wanted to invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame specifically. Everyone is welcome to the celebration. The list of the poor, the blind, and the lame are listed in multiple places in Luke in Luke. One is Luke 4, which uh, Brian read for us. But also in um, Luke 7 through 22, verse 22. And it's John the Baptist sent messengers to inquire whether Jesus is the Messiah. And it says, so he replied to the messengers, go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, and those who have leprosy cleansed. The deaf hear and the dead are raised. The good news is proclaimed to the poor. Jesus did not directly answer their question. People gained sight, the lame walked, and the poor heard the good news. All of these demonstrate Jesus is the Messiah. It demonstrates his heart to set them free from their burdens to, and bring a glimpse of shalom here on earth. The poor and the blind, lame and the blind were invited as a reminder of pointing to the celebration when all the tears will be wiped away when all people's disgrace are removed. Jesus is the Messiah, inviting all people to join in his banquet and celebrate the victory and the restoration of the kingdom. So the third illustration is the the church is the servant going out, inviting people to Jesus. So we have seen the heart of God through the host, and we've seen and experienced how God has redeemed and restored our own lives. But now we have the privilege to invite and continue inviting people into the kingdom. As the servants, we reflect God's heart to those around us. So how well do you reflect God's heart? Because I know I have lots of room to grow. We are called to biblical hospitality to make room for the people who feel left out. Being intentional to build friendships with people on the margins. So our response is creating space to invite people in, into our lives, into our church community, and into relationship with Jesus. In our day-to-day lives, let's look at the opportunities where God is working. When we are talking to people at work, or in a park, or in a store, take interest in their lives. The people today are longing to be heard, so that we can ask questions and be curious about their stories. So a few simple ways that we can create space by encouraging people through our own faith journey. So the first one is prayer. 
to offer to pray for them or to pray with them if there's a difficulty or a health concern, to share a story of how God has um, answered a prayer in your life or helped you in a circumstance, to share your life, to desire friendships with them, to schedule playtimes or connect over coffee or invite them to join you for a meal. Invite them into community, like a small group, but also inviting into church. So Church of the Park is a great way to, to bring people in and to help them to check out and see who we are and what it means to be Wait Park Church. We're working on planning some fun activities like a beanbag tournament to have, and to have space to build relationships with people through our services and through our community. God can use these simple steps toward inviting people into into the kingdom. So over Lent, Pastor Corey asked us to to pray for three people. So one of the people on my list was my nephew. And so I was more intentional about asking him to join me to attend church. And he came. When we were able to talk about the story that he learned each time, he had asked me more vulnerable questions in those conversations. But we also talked about sports and books, which are usually about sports, Um, and his life. It was just an opportunity to invest in him. A key emphasis in our parable is inviting inviting people in who are on the margins. For some, the, bar- the biggest barrier is access to people on the margins. So life is full of work and family. But the host sent his, sent his servant further, out further, inviting more people to be included, including those on the margins. So let's create space for building friendships with people on the margins. And so our church has partnered with several organizations to help us build these relationships. So Together for Good is the first one, and they help families in crisis. So they're looking for more host families, and often it's just for a weekend of taking kids in and helping out that single mom or, or family in crisis. Another way is to be an advocate for a mom, to walk alongside her and support and encourage her as she, as she desires to provide well for her kids. Multiple times a year, we partner with WAM and AME to do a, an outreach project. A couple, the last couple have been for Franklin Middle School in North Minneapolis. And so they're planning another one this summer. And so we'd love to have people help joining um, with planning that event. And the last one is Freedom Works. Freedom Works supports men in reentry after being incarcerated. They're always looking for men to help mentor in this vulnerable time of transition. So here are a few ideas to, to help you find ways to, to connect with people and to build friendships and relationships with them. So the parable of the great banquet demonstrates the beauty of God, of the kingdom of God. The host paints a picture of God's heart for all people to be invited in and enjoy shalom through his relationship with Jesus. And in awe and out of love for God, that we would echo his heart to invite all people to receive his grace and salvation. Please join me in prayer. Lord, we just thank you for being here, for being real and for revealing yourself to us, for inviting us in, into your, into your kingdom, to give us the, the benefits and, and the redemption and the restoration in our own lives. But God, that it wouldn't end there, that we would be that light, that we would be that salt in the world around us, that people would see what's different about us, that people would see you through us, 
there are people out there that are hungry. They're lost and they're looking for their way. They're feeling alone. And so God, we ask that you would use us to help them to see the hope and the life and the love that you have for people. God, you are so incredible. We love you so much. Thank you for your gifts that you've bestowed upon us. We pray all of this in your precious name. Amen. You've been listening to the Wake Park Church Sermon Podcast from Wake Park Church in Northeast Minneapolis. We hope this week's sermon helped you learn to know and love Jesus more and serve him in your unique place in the world. If you have feedback or questions, get in touch with us by emailing podcast at wakeparkchurch.org.